Welcome to our Be the Village podcast, where we share tools for working with children and learning how to better serve our community. In order to make things better for my community, I must be open to perspective. This means listening with an open mind. We need to ask tough questions when it comes to our own intentions. By doing this, will I empower others or further hurt by damaging self-esteem and self-reliance? Today, we will be discussing intentional charity and our current crisis roles. My guest includes Emily Carr of Charleston Hope, Alexander Moore, the Executive Director of Be A Mentor, and Ms. Nancy Boyd, a strong community partner. Um, Emily, you wanna share a little bit about what your organization is and what you do? Yeah, we work in Charleston's highest poverty Title I schools, um, specifically currently at Mitchell Elementary in Sanders Clyde, downtown in the peninsula. And our mission is to enhance school culture and climate within our schools. So that just kind of has a, a wide variety of things that we focus on, but specifically on student achievement and mathematics. Um, and then we do social and emotional learning as well as real world prep um, for third through fifth grade girls with the after school program and then do various initiatives that uh, really just support our students and teachers and what the needs are at each specific school. Um, Alex? So uh, I'm Alex. I am with Be A Mentor. And Be A Mentor, like Emily's program at Charleston Hope, is a school-based nonprofit. Um, we provide one-on-one -on -one mentors to students primarily affected by poverty in 26 schools across the low country. And our mentors are there as a backbone of support, as nurturers of possibilities, and as a way to learn and grow through social and emotional growth. And Ms. Nancy, if you can introduce yourself. So, my name is Nancy Boyd. I, my actual job is I coach gymnastics, but I have a passion for nonprofits and supporting people and supporting collaborations and how people can figure out things. And so I have a background with being on boards and committees and serving, also doing some emergency management, some BOAD and some other stuff like that, that deal with, you know, emergency type situations and then regular collaborations and partnerships on a normal basis. Well, thank you all for being here today. Um, I just wanted to start just real quick, um, um, just with Emily, because she's our, our kind of our nonprofit. She, she kind of created her own nonprofit. So I just had a quick question for you. So what was the need gap that you saw um, that you wanted your organization to address in our community? Yeah, so initially, almost 10 years ago, it, um, the need started with my sister who taught in a Title I school. And that specific gap as a senior in high school that I saw was just a need for direct teacher support, specifically in the way that year was through supplies for their classroom. Um, our teachers get about $250 a year to spend, but we know, um, especially in high need schools, $250 does not go very far especially with I mean school supplies just probably for crayons and notebooks for a class of 20 you would probably spend your whole year's budget right there so um, that was the initial need that we saw and then as we continued just growing Charleston Hope that need continued of yes supplies but 
um, resources and support that our district just wasn't able to provide kind of direct one-on-one -on -one just because our district is overseeing so many different schools and and then that developed into um, our of course as we kept listening to the needs from our teachers which is what we're so passionate about you know, good teachers care about their kids and they want what's best for their kids. They want supplies. They want basic needs that their kids may not have, especially in our high poverty schools. And so we really just um, started filling that gap. And then we got into math mentoring, which is um, not like my specialty. I'm not a math person, but that again, um, everything that we've created with Charleston Hope has come from listening to the needs of our administration and our teachers and hearing gaps and then surveying the community. Okay, what's here? What's going on? Can we jump in with another nonprofit or does something need to be created? Um, and that's where that math came. Our district that year had cut math interventionists in our high poverty schools. Um, there just was a massive gap. We had a ton of reading support, um, which is so needed, but there wasn't really another nonprofit specifically focusing on math and that the budget just within our schools wasn't able to fund that. So um, we kind of um, meet a bunch of different gaps within the school, but that's just where we're, what we're most passionate about is just listening and our saying is we create with, not for. So we create with our educators of what, what the needs are versus just going in and saying, hey, we think that you might need this. Um, so, we, so a lot of different gaps that Charleston Hope really kind of jumps in and, and helps where we can. I love that. You mentioned listening. You said that several times just now. And that's what I love because I came from the background of an educator and everybody is always wanting to do for the poor kids. I, I hate to put it that way, but it, it makes people feel good. It's it, to, to give. Right. Um, but a lot of times people were giving in the ways that weren't always the best for me as a teacher and or mm. for our kids, how it would best help them. Um, something I recently read, um, it, I love the statement. I wanted to get your all thoughts around it. It says unchecked charity that fails to ask tough questions about outcome perpetuates poverty. Um, so I was going to chime in on that because I, you know, Emily, listening to you, um, talk about the nonprofit and what you do. I think one of the things that's missing and Emily has heard me talk about this is a lot. People aren't asking parents anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're telling them, they're dictating to them, they're making a lot of assumptions about their ability or lack of ability Absolutely. instead of teaching them how to advocate and teaching them yeah. how to support their kid where they are. They're telling them that they're doing everything wrong, which does two things. It pisses them off mm -hmm. and then it turns them off from asking for support in the future. And I think Charleston and all the nonprofits will work better if they start teaching parents how to advocate and start asking them what do they need for their kids because some of them are disciplinarians some of them have a high expectation of their kids but what happens when everybody in school gets a bike and they've been in trouble at home and the mom doesn't want to get them a bike but they have to get a bike because everybody's got to get a bike so then right. what happens to the parent trying to discipline and create that structure at home that translates to better behavior at school right. but they're not having those conversations together right and I think yeah. both hit the nail on the head of what is most important, especially in our community. It's not what we think is most important. It is listening to our community and answering the question, having them answer the question of what's most important and then us providing those needs. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love that you brought up the parent piece um, because that was actually in my listening Sometimes you are exactly right. We, we don't ask educators, and we're also um, 
you know, I come from a very impoverished area. I come from, you know, Appalachia, West Virginia. And, you know, a lot of times people throw things the direction. They're not very open to change. Um, there's a lack of hope where I come from. And a lot of that lack of hope comes from not having jobs. When a person gets laid off, what does it do to their um, self-esteem? Mm -hmm. They lose their self-esteem. They go through hopelessness. And, you know, then all of a sudden, on top of all that hopelessness, there's still people start going for them. And it kind of perpetuates that, that cycle versus, um, how about I help train you and get you the skill sets to get that job? And, you know, it's the same thing in what you're talking about. Let's help train the parents and how do you ask for help? How do you advocate? Rather, it, you know, it's the same. You give a man a fish, um, he eats for a day. You teach him a fish, he, you know, you know, he eats right. for a long time, right? Um, can I say, can I jump in? I think, I think too, um, a lot of times what we've realized within our organization, because a lot of what we do is specific, like classroom based. Um, and then our after school program, we have seen so much growth and so much beauty come from, um, round tables with our girls parents of hearing like hey what do you want them to learn in this after school program what do you think is beneficial what are field trips you want to see them go on and, and i mean the ideas and and the things that they have for their daughters which any parent does any parent has dreams or things that they want their children to experience are things that we would we wouldn't think of and and so it's that piece of i i so agree is it's like expanding to our thinking and not just walking in with the assumption of i know what's best for you and i know even with my own um narrative i'm not gonna walk in and just place my narrative on somebody else of like hey what i learned and what i grew up with this is what you need to learn and this is what you need to grow up with and having that community with our parents and our girls um one it builds relationships which makes the program incredible um because it's not like hey so and so didn't do something right and step in it's like i can call so and so and i'm like hey and they know that i love their daughter you know they know that i i love their daughter and that i love them and um, it's not just that necessarily like discipline, you know, coming down hard. It's like we're a team and we've teamed up, but it's with their intentions and with what they want for their daughter. Um, and so I so agree that piece is missing, I think, in education as a whole, um, especially in our schools. And that's something we want to infiltrate um, as we enhance culture and climate more and more. I think in one of the things, too, that if people could teach parents about Maslow's hierarchy, Mm -hmm. then that would allow them to express themselves a little bit more. So you're getting to talk to those parents because you're meeting a need and they're able to sit with you. But on a regular basis, people forget that they care about eating first. Right. They care right. about having a place to live first. You're going to yeah. get to the discipline soon enough. You're going to get to the book soon enough. But if all those other things with the other kids isn't lined up, they could care less whether their kid is making an A, a C, or an F. You know, yes. they're just trying to be there every day. And then it adds to most of those people because they haven't self-actualized or working an hourly job where you can't take off work because you have this shift. So I can't get to the stuff you're asking me to get to. So are you rotating programs? Are you making it where the schedule doesn't fit the classroom? It fits the parents. And most things yes. are done based off the classroom and not the parents. And that's why parents don't show up. 
you know, and then if you've been beat down so much, and it's like the battered syndrome, if you're getting beat down at home by your boyfriend, you're getting beat down by your job, you're not about to go to the school and have a teacher or a principal add any more to your plate. You're just going to be like, I'm out, right. you know, yeah, I'm yeah, out. Yeah. And then I can't wait till they get out of the school. And then hoping they don't have that support, but they don't know how to self-actualize, actually step out of it into something else. Right. You know, you know, just last week we were talking about being trauma informed and we talked about, you know, knowing your ACEs and, you know, that's something we actually hit on is, you know, meeting parents also where they are, um, allowing parents to understand their own ACEs. Why do I do this? Well, I've been, you know, maybe I've never actually dealt with the trauma that I had in my own life. Um, you know, maybe it was trauma at school, maybe it was trauma at home. Um, so, you know, those are some excellent points is helping parents, you know, to be self-aware and us being empathetic, um, toward where they are. We talk about meeting kids where they are. We have to meet those parents where they are as well, um, in order to build a relationship and move forward. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. That's, um, my kind of the next point I wanted to, to hit on is a lot of people are like, well, you know we need to go ahead and we need to set up food banks. We need to, you know, um, any charity is better than having none. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts around, well, well, we're serving the food. We got to get the food out there. So I, I want to hear some opinions of what you think about. We just have to have charity. How do you feel about that statement? I see Nancy shaking her head the most. So I'm going to go to you first. <laughs> the reason I say that is because help where you are first. Yeah. I'm so sick of people helping everybody, but not helping themselves. Like there are people that will drive to North Charleston to don't donate something, but won't give anything downtown. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know those people, so I'm not donating or it's a homeless man, but they have a cell phone. Well, anybody can get a cell phone now. It's not yeah, that it's big a deal. That doesn't mean that a homeless person doesn't have a job. You don't know their whole story. You just, they're homeless, you know? So we keep like, we're trying so hard to be in charge of our own thing that we're not, uh, and this will go to my church background. We're not a fellowship of people serving a mission. We're a group of individuals trying to serve a mission, not realizing, you know, it, it shouldn't be that every organization has to fight city council or county commission or people for money. Everybody right. should yep. be able to have their niche and come together. You shouldn't be pulling from the same pot if you're truly serving. And right. I think, and then, and, Emily's heard me say this a lot. It sucks when people of your skin tone are trying to do the right thing. You get looked at as like you're trying to give somebody a handout. Not that you truly care about the person and the individual. And you're trying to service where there's a need. So there's a lot of bias that's already there that makes it even harder when we don't try to back away from that first. And right. treat people as people and serve people collaborative regardless of our neighborhoods. And I think until we get to that point... We're always going to be pulling and it's always going to be, well, I already have this, so let me do it. But you don't have the capital to back it. Right. But I don't want to do it with you because I don't want your name on it. And it's not about the name. It's about the kids. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, we stop being for the kids. Right. That's why we've lost a whole generation of kids that don't even know how to help each other. Sorry to go on my rant. No, Preach. I think you, yeah, I think I so strongly believe in everything you just said and the difference in charity is the intention behind it and the motivator behind it. And so what you have to take a hard look at is as an individual, why are you motivated for a specific charity 
Or if you're you're an organization like a nonprofit who is working in the community and serving the community, you have to ask your your group, your organization tough questions about why you're motivated. And you have to shift if you realize that your motivations aren't correct. And I know being a mentor learned a really good lesson um, early on when I came on. I'm in my third year now. We're a school-based nonprofit. And for a really long time, that didn't include families other than permission slips. And that's not okay. And it is okay for an organization to say, hey, we need to fix this. And we need to work on this. And we need to be lifelong learners. So what are we doing to educate ourselves on the best way to continue to serve? And the best way to serve yesterday might not be the best way to serve tomorrow. And we have to be okay to be flexible and adjust. And I think this time of crisis that we're in now is a good lesson in that too, that if you're not flexible and can't adjust, then you're not doing the work in the community. That's good. I mean, I think they said it all. <laughs> I think they, they covered that really well. And, you know, something Nancy and I talk a lot about is working collaboratively. We have so many nonprofits in Charleston. It's almost overwhelming. Um, and, you know, I'm like, okay, so why do we still have these major issues? And being when I was in the school system, when I was looking at the outside and looking at nonprofits, I saw this and I'm like, well, they don't work together. And it becomes, there's a lot of ego when it gets around nonprofit. Um, yep. you know, even I was driving with, he was the sweetest man. I was driving an Uber with a guy who he was driving. And um, I was talking about mentoring to him because he was like the, this great guy. And he said, well, I'm going to create my own organization one day, you know, my own. And right now he is not serving, but it is a, he's not, and again, nice guy, but he's in a position right now where he's right. a great motivator for these young men, but he is not going to be involved until he creates his own nonprofit. That, that's kind of what the goal is. So that, you know, a lot of times I think, you know, rather than working with whatever's here, we're like, nope, I got to, got to put kind of what you're talking about. He's looking at the motivator. What is your motivator? And I think when you talk about nonprofits collaborating, it doesn't have to be this complicated, on paper, MOU thing. It starts really simply. And I think, Emily, we have a really good example of that in this crisis time with yeah. uh, Charleston Hope, Kids on Point, and Be a Mentor. The first thing we did when, when everything dropped out is the three of us got on a call and we said, what are we doing? What is yeah. our individual jobs? How do we support each other? How do we not duplicate services and how do we get the word out to the community? And so taking it from a non-complicated view, then you build upon that. And maybe your programs collaborate, maybe you collaborate on a celebration. There's all sorts of opportunities. But don't let it be complicated. Don't let there be obstacles into opening your voices up to other groups. Absolutely. And you know, that's actually how I met Nancy. Um, mm -hmm. When I was working at the school, I had some kids that are so talented. They're just naturally gifted when it comes to being able to turn their bodies and do gymnastics. None of them had been trained. And um, particularly, I had one boy that was just incredible, but the families didn't have access. Um, it's expensive. I never had access to things like that, you know, either like gymnastics 
gets pricey and then there's the transportation issue and right. and all these things so when I was working at the school I started calling around and I said well if I can find somebody that'll at least give me a good discount I'll I'll be the donor sneaking in there to pay for the that was my goal is can I get this kid what he needs because mm -hmm. it's unfair he has this gift and hasn't been able to use it well as I was calling people I get on the phone and surprisingly Nancy answers it and said I'll do it so she shows up at our school, you know, and, and just offers a class to my kids that never would have had that opportunity. Um, and that's a, an example of how we can work together. I didn't have to recreate a program. Right. The organization already had a program. I just had to find out about it. And yeah. it's one of the best people at getting the word out there of what opportunities are available. So, um, yeah. <laughs> There's experts all around our community and it's our responsibility to turn to those experts and not think that our, we ourselves are the experts. I tell Emily all the time, if I, if somebody could pay me to do it, I would connect people together because yeah. after the tornado that we had in Tuscaloosa, that's what I had to do. I had to get folks that never talked to each other, didn't like each other. Well, they're doing this, they're doing that. Okay, stop. What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Mm -hmm. Now that we have this in a nice little bubble, what can we really do? Because y'all yeah. are arguing and people are suffering. So yeah. I will help the suffering while you continue to argue and stuff will get done. And then once you get over it, <laughs> we'll all work together. Because I think you're the coolest person. She is. She is. <laughs> well, and, I, awesome. and, and honestly, the thing for me is when stuff like what's happening now, people forget about the kids. Yeah. People yeah. forget about their kids and their livelihood and what they're doing and where they are. Natural disasters. Yeah, you forget about the kids. You know, like people would forget that, oh, I got an eight o'clock appointment. Um, they don't have a watch and they don't have electricity. So guess where they're not going to be FEMA at eight o'clock in the morning. They didn't grow up in yeah. the country with the rooster and the sun. They're not just going to be there. I need you to take a yes, step back, yes. hand out some watches, and then we'll talk about what time they have to be somewhere. Yeah. So just like what y'all are doing right now is where the city has to go. And, and I think like the mayor of all the different townships would be willing to do that if somebody wanted to sit down and have a conversation with them yeah. but i don't think everybody's ever anybody's ever thought about it mm -hmm. except for when something bad happens right and i think most of them are more proactive than reactive but they can't tell a nonprofit what to do right so if you decided to have like and tuscaloosa did it they decided to have a summit to get everybody together and then they also um end up forming a nonprofit council as part of the chamber to That's get people awesome. to talk to each other on the regular basis. Awesome. So I got to go or I won't get the job because I will miss my interview, but I'll catch up with y'all soon. Good luck, Nancy. Um, so I kind of wanted to get your all's thoughts around that statement. Again, worse than resistance to change is denial. So do y'all have any like thoughts around that statement? Worse than resistance to change is denial. Mm -hmm. Denial that there needs to be the change. Right. And I think that speaks to philosophically, if you're doing work to benefit other people, you have to be a lifelong learner. And if you yeah. deny change or resist change, you are not going to be intentionally serving your community. Agree. And um, yeah, I'm to add, Emily. Yeah. I mean, I just think, if you're not willing to change, like you're not really meeting needs because 
people's needs and community needs are changing constantly. And yes, like you have your mission and you have your vision and you're, you're in a focused area, but it's like in a time like this, um, we could be an organization. I mean, same for be a mentor. The schools are closed. Like we could say, okay, well, this is our mission. I am hard. And it's like our mission stays the same, but our methods vary and they, and they do change. That's a um, way to put it. Our mission stays the same, but our methods vary. Vary. Yeah. And it's, it's so true because, um, like, yeah, like I was saying, like we could stay, fixed of like, nope, we are school-based. Like uh, we'll be ready to go and like gear up when the school base, when the schools open back up. But it's like, no, if we're really here for the kids and the teachers and the administration or whoever it is, like we're going to go where the needs are and we're going to not just wait and expect people to come to us, but we're going to go out and be on mission right where we are. And so I I just think if we're resisting change, then I mean, my first thing would be like, what, what need, I mean, are we, are we really meeting needs then if, if right. we're not willing to adapt? I love that you're saying that because I think that could be a good way of people gauging an organization. If but, your organization yeah. shuts down in the middle of a crisis, you know, um, yeah. unfortunately there could be funding, I guess, issues, but if they, they stop their, yeah. their mission, um, maybe there's a better way of, you know, serving that, that mission, right. a, a different organization to go with. So I love that you kind of brought that up. Um, so, um, real quick, so we kind of talked about our typical methods, you know, what we typically do, but right now there's a difference between crisis intervention and quality daily intervention. Mm -hmm. So right now we're in a time of crisis. So again, our programs look a little different. We are doing a little more for our people. Now we're not, our, our, the way it looks right now is not how it's going to continue to look. So, um, Emily, I kind of wanted to get a little bit of an understanding of what you're currently doing um, for our community. And a lot of that reason is a lot of people want to help. Right. And a lot of people are in the process of donating to places. And I don't know all those places. And I think people wonder what's the best way. How am I making yeah. sure that, you know, the, the food that I donated is getting to my mentee that's in North Charleston, but also to my kids, you know, that might be struggling even in Mount Pleasant because, there's kids right. that help and families. There's a lot of yeah. people. So Emily, I'll go ahead and let you take that. Yeah. I mean, we kind of have three ways. Our first one um, that is um, really probably a little bit more specific to Charleston Hope is we took our step in girls empowerment program online. Um, but again, going back to the crisis intervention piece, like we're not, we really like took it online. You know, we were calling all 40 parents, getting permission, so all that kind of stuff. But which is a task in itself. Um, You guys know, Uh you know that so well. Uh Um, But with that, like we didn't just stick with the normal step in curriculum. Like we really assessed, okay, what is going on in the world around us? What are our girls going to need? So we continued offering our online um, therapy counseling with our um, therapist that is meeting with girls talking about specific grief, um, stress, anxiety, depression, like going through things like that with, with girls. But then also like our step in program, like just today we're mailing out 40 self care kits to all 40 girls as they've been. Yes. Um, with a face mask, stress balls, um, a bath bomb, and then a journal. That's something we really teach them and step in is what it looks like to process your thoughts and your emotions. And so 
taking like crisis intervention of going that step further of like, okay, we could just continue our curriculum, but what, what is really the need of our girls also came from like hearing from parents of, I think this is what our girls will need during this time. Um, so that's just really fun and exciting. And then, um, to support our community, we, we have two ways. Um, we have opened up essentially a needs form, um, really for our two schools, but we've actually expanded it to um, CCSD. We've had several schools across the district that have emailed us just saying, like, I have a specific family in need. Going back to our original mission of where this all started, of like, we want to help teachers support their students. Like, we want to be that connecting piece. Um, and so... Families can fill out a form, and then we assign families actually in partnership with um, Awaken Church. They sign up, and they go and grocery shop for that family. They spend their own money. They go, and they either drop the food off on the porch with no contact, or um, they meet the family, and they're able to provide either basic needs or grocery items, things that they may need, especially with all these job losses going on right now so many questions that's collaborating with other groups that is intentionally serving needs that are real and right there yeah that is safely distributing those things as well because during this crisis we have to think about you know we can't perpetuate community spread either so what are we doing safe in the way that we're serving which is a whole new thing that come up with such an awesome thing that you guys are yeah, we love it. And I mean, the stories that are just coming out, I was telling my husband just the other day of a lot of what Nancy was saying, like, I feel like I'm just, I felt like I'm just really kind of assigned to Charleston to be a connector, like just to create things that connect people to meet needs. And um, the stories that have come out, kids getting beds, um, kids getting new windows, you know, because they were falling down or little different things that are happening because of the intentionality behind going and grocery shopping and our family send the list of exactly what they need. Um, so, so it, it varies. And then the kind of community wide aspect when we look at, okay, we enhance school culture and climate. A lot of what Nancy was saying as well is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We know that the very first thing that a child needs in order to be able to learn is food and safety. And so we were like, okay, well, school, we, we enhance school culture and climate. Well, that's no longer in the building. It's in child's, it's in children's homes. Like right. that's where school is taking place. Mm-hmm. So what would it look like to meet those needs? And so um, we partner with the Humanities Foundation, Awaken Church, and the Low Country Food Bank. It's a, a four-pronged collaborative effort. And every Thursday and Friday at Sanders Clyde and then at Mitchell in the communities where the majority of our children live, we are out safely distributing um, fresh food. So chicken, vegetables, um, fruit, because a lot of the need that we were seeing as we talked to our communities as well and our teachers of the needs they were hearing was um, there's a lot of either like one-time meals. You can come pick up like a dinner. Of course, our district is doing amazing with dropping off lunches. Um, but what about the weekends? What about the, the family as a whole? Um, what about just like snacks, you know, for the kids to have? Things like that. And then there also was a, a really big lack of fresh produce. It was a lot of cans um, and box things. So we really wanted to step in with that need with the fresh produce. So we're out there every Thursday and Friday. People can go on our website and volunteer. We're socially distant as possible. We wear gloves, masks, 
um, and then, you know, get to distribute that. And it's really fun to get to see so many of our students and families. And that's key, too, because we already have relationships with so many in the community. And it's and fun to see. If you're there and you have a relationship, that's when you're going to keep going. You have to be in the community. You cannot be going in and stuff and There has to be a yes. relationship. And um, we're out of time, but something I'd love to get back on with you at some point is how do we bring, um, because when I would do events and stuff at my school, I would try to include um, my parents. Now, they didn't always show up, but if I could get one parent there, one parent to be a part of it, it would make them feel so good. They felt involved. They felt a part of it. We, they, were my, they felt like they were friends with me, um, and right. a lot of our parents are, are young, really young. And they need that, like, sometimes that mentoring. Um, so I'd love to, at some point, get back on here and talk about how do we um, build that bridge with our parents. Collaborate together to build that bridge. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we're going to get cut off at any second, but let's plan for that next time. Okay? Yeah. Be awesome. Thank you so much, guys. This was such yeah. a good conversation. Yeah, this is great. Love all the work all of you guys are doing. So thanks. Yeah, thank you. Y'all are awesome. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye. That was such a great conversation, and you could tell we were just getting started. If you would like to help with our current crisis situation, we have three ways. One, contact Charleston Hope. They will be able to tell you the closest food drop-off, and they're also in need of volunteers to help distribute food. Two, Be A Mentor is creating science kits for our mentees. Please check out our social media, and if you're able, we'd love for you to be a part of the project with us. And last, stay connected because the needs are always changing. And thank you for being the village.